Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into an emergency episode of the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. I am joined today on this special occasion of Jamal Murray going off for an unconscionable 50 points. Uh, Jenna Garcia of Denver Stiff, social media director here. Jenna, how are you? And are you still kind of in awe of what we just saw? Oh, my gosh. I'm not just good, Ryan, because it's not just a regular Friday. It's a great Friday because I get to rub in Riley Biller's face that (laughs) Jamal does have a dog in his fight, that he actually had that game in him the whole time. The man is tired. That's insane. I don't know how he's not continued to be tired. I don't know how he pulled this out, out but we, we've seen this from Jamal over the last few years where he does pull games like this out. I am on cloud nine. This was a fun one. We're going to talk all about his performance in this first segment. In the second segment, we'll kind of talk about the rest of the team, what to go through from there. But, but yeah, let's talk about this game from Jamal Murray. The Nuggets win uh, going away in this game. I don't even remember the final score. It doesn't even matter. 120 to 103 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it didn't matter because in the third and fourth quarter, after having already scored 30 or after already scoring 20 points, Murray drops 30 points in the second half or so uh, and score just goes unbelievably unconscious. As, as Chris Marlowe likes to say, he was in the UC state unconscious uh, he did some incredible things from a shot-making perspective out there. Uh, it, it, he just wasn't going to let the Nuggets lose this game tonight. No, he was phenomenal. Um, I thought that he was really impressive, like, just to not get down on himself, you know? Like, he came out and continued to play really strong. He has been – I mean – even in some of his struggles throughout this season, and I put struggles in quotes, but uh, my dog is playing with a bone right now that I will stop (laughs) her from because it's on the pod. Of course, she never plays with that bone. So ironic. Um, But he's gotten a lot of criticism for his game, like specifically because people want to see him score a lot of points. That's, that's what they want to see that like unstoppable, what we saw tonight, like out of this world, Jamal Murray, I can hit any bucket I want, Jamal Murray. And I honestly thought that and have been saying for this whole season how much I've just thought he's his game has improved overall. Like he's right. just added several little pieces to his game. Um, he's not just a one-trick pony anymore. He has a lot more to his game. I think he's a m- more intelligent player. Um, and I think he facilitates a lot more than he 
would have in the past. So I love seeing him go off for 50. I mean, I, (laughs) it's funny because I actually took a lot of bets on, on Jamal. I took him over on the rebounds. I think it was over four and a half rebounds. I took him over to have over two and a half threes. Um, if you've watched on this road trip, he's just slowly but surely increased every single game improved. Um, he's on a, re- a real roll right now. He is on a real roll. It's been, it's been these last four or five games or so. I'm pretty sure over the last five, he's averaging about 31 points per game, which really is incredible because he, he like, like people have talked about, he did start the season a little slow it wasn't up to the standards of the bubble that he was, that he had like, he had put on it and in, in a historical show uh, in the bubble. And, and he was never going to live up to that fully like shooting 45% from three 26, seven and five or whatever the numbers were. But tonight uh, let's just go through the numbers real quick. 50 points on 21 of 25 from the field. He missed only four shots tonight, eight of 10 from three, and one of those one of those misses from three was a a half court heave basically from the logo of of the the Cavs the Cavs midcourt area uh, that was that was never going in but it was fun to watch him try to shoot it and make it um, he only had he had zero free throw attempts tonight and and this is something that we've seen from Jamal he's done a better job of getting to the free throw line in most games. But it's the games like these where he doesn't even need to get to the free throw line and everything's just working for him from the post, from uh, navigating the pick and roll to shooting threes on the pull up. He just had it all going on tonight. And it was just very impressive to watch him. Uh, do you think this was his best ever performance as a shot maker in so far in his career? Or do you think that's still the bubble? Oh. It's so hard to do best ever, you know, especially when I'm not the person who played that game. Not that I don't watch intently, sure. or, but you know, it's hard to remember every single play and every single move. I I honestly feel like, um, and I can't remember which game it was in, but one of the games in the bubble, I think is a little bit strong, still for me is a little bit stronger. I'm thinking of the one where he had um, that incredible, he splits two at the two guys at the top of the key and then drives to the basket. I just think he just put on a full, it was, not like watching basketball, not that basketball isn't entertainment, right? Because it is, but his game, that game was like choreographed dance to me. I was like watching, it was an amazing game. And that split, I mean, that drive to the basket is just going to be engraved in my mind forever. And, and here's the funny part is I, I can envision two different drives to the basket from that series or from those series in the bubble. One was against Rudy Gobert where he had that reverse 360 layup. And the other was against LeBron James on that up and under incredible move uh, that looked Michael Jordan esque. So, you're you're I think you're right that his highest point was still in the bubble, but the fact that it's even a question and the fact that he shot 84 percent from the field tonight and didn't even take a free throw in order to get 50 that's the first time that's ever happened before. It's just yeah, one of and the that's most- the part that. It- that's the part that I get hung up on is the numbers, right? The numbers look better in this game, but for whatever reason, the bubble that those bubble performances just are like, were like, wow moments, you know, not that he didn't have that tonight, that dunk that he had to score 50 tonight. I, I mean, there was a bet I took Ryan that if you, if they scored one 
dunk tonight. The Nuggets had to score one, just one dunk. Um, it was, you bet 20. I think I won like 150 or something. So it was a nice one. And and for that wasn't the only dunk in the game, actually. MPJ dunked in the first possession of the game. So I won immediately. But then I you also get the, you know, there was a Jokic dunk. There was a Jamal dunk. But that Jamal dunk, I was like, no, that's the one I'm winning on because that was awesome. Hell yeah. No, it was, it was just incredible to, to see him cap it off that way. Uh, some of the shots that he was taking were incredible. The uh, the three-pointer that he had, he he crossed half court and then dribbled towards the sideline in the pick and roll and then kind of pulled up from that that hash mark on, on the left side of the floor. That was from like 35 feet and he was falling out of bounds, shooting it against a double team and just swished it. It was, it was, I... I'm hard pressed between between bubble games and these games. I I think the good thing is yeah. Nuggets don't really feel, they shouldn't feel the need to choose because Bubble Murray is this Murray. There he's he hasn't left. That player is still definitely within him, and he can still tap into that reserve whenever he wants to. I think that he hasn't tried to tap into it yet because there's a difference between the regular season and the playoffs, and I totally acknowledge that, and everybody should too but him showing the ability to go off in the manner that he did tonight, I think it really matters. Even though it came against the Cavs, I don't care about that. No, I don't really care either about that. And, and I really appreciate the point, the point you're making, like he has always been here, but he's not tapping into what he's capable of um, because that gives the power back to Jamal. And um, even myself, you know, I haven't thought about it in that way yet. I've just been thinking about it as, he's tired, which I don't think he's not. I think he is really tired. You look at how many minutes he's played in the bubble. Right. And then to, he's also like top 30 in minutes this season. I think he's at like 24, 28 in minutes this season. So um, he's playing a lot. He's definitely tired, but just leaving it at that doesn't give the power back to Jamal as the player. And he is a phenomenal player and he does have the ability to tap in. Um, so it, you know, what, whether he's tired or not, I think he is, but I think we do need to acknowledge that he always has been this player. Riley's been really, really firing people up. She has, she really doesn't believe Jamal is actually a, you know, a superstar. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I don't think he's a superstar right now either. I think to be a superstar, you have to be able to do it every single night. And that's probably the last piece of it that, that Jamal is looking for is, is the consistency of being able to drop and he, he is able to do it, but, but choosing to, and then following through on it on a consistent basis. I think that matters. And just given the talent level in the NBA and this, this season and, and how the league has really developed overall, like you have guys like Dame and Luca and Steph in the Western conference who are all going to be all-stars uh, Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. I think that Jamal's on the level of those guys, though he hasn't been as consistent as them this year. Uh, but it just kind of depends on your perspective. If you, like me, believe that Jamal Murray can kick it into gear in the playoffs and that the Nuggets have a chance against anybody in the NBA because they have Jamal Murray, then I think he's a superstar, or at least, at least, at least a star. Like, he is he an all-star? I don't think he's an all-star this year because I think the numbers matter and and I just don't think he has the 
the numbers and the nuggets don't have enough wins in order to get two guys there. But I think he will be. I, I don't think this is – it hasn't happened yet, but I think it will happen at some point. He is going to be an all-star at some point when when everything clicks into place. When he yeah. wants to be – when he can when he feels he can, he can expend the energy in order to do it, I think he will be an all-star. But it just it's, – it's about waiting until that happens, and, and it just wasn't meant to be this year. Like, remember when Jay Sean Tate uh, – crashed into him in the third game of the season and he came up limping holding his elbow holding his head like that should have been the sign that everybody needed that it just wasn't meant to be this year and I didn't really recognize that it was going to be like that until 10 games down the road where he was still holding that shooting elbow yeah yeah I mean there's a lot of reasons it wasn't going to be this year it wasn't it's not all on Jamal Murray's shoulders the reason why it wasn't going to be this year you know Right. Um, and I think even to to an extent, part of Jamal being so fatigued and his body breaking down at, at one hit in the lane is due to the schedule. And Coach Malone does not really manage minutes. He has to he leans on Jamal and Nicola a lot. Yeah. And oh, I yeah, mean, those guys. You, I think you're of the perspective that like he should be because they need to win these games, right? Yeah, and and we'll we'll probably delve more into that. Actually, you know what? Let's let's take a break. I think because we're we're done with Jamal Murray on this particular game, right? Like, I think is there any more that can be said about this performance? Like, it's just incredible. It's incredible. I think there is one thing that should be said, and that's the fact, like how efficiently he did it. I know you read off those numbers. But we should highlight just how efficiently he did it because a lot of, I think part of kind of like the steps you're talking about to, you know, final step him performing every single night. But there was a step a few steps ago and it was, you know, being more efficient when he shot the ball and what shots he was taking and what were good shots to take and how often was he taking them. And, and I think he's trying demonstrating that like very much this year, not just in this performance, but. Um, but obviously in this performance, you know, at a huge stage on a huge stage level. I'm with you. I'm with you. He's up to 47% from the field, 38% from three this year. Uh, the free throw percentage is still down, but he's got it up to about 81%. I think that's going to continue to rise. And as he continues to get more healthy, more into this particular season, he's on a roll right now. I don't, I don't see any reason why, it's going to get worse. I mean, I don't think he's going to hit 50 points every night, but he's just in a really good state of mind right now. And I think that really matters for where the nuggets are going to continue to go. So it's going to be fun. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of this game and the rest of the team's performance, and then kind of moving forward for the rest of the all-star break. We'll be right. Or before the all-star break, we'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
we're back. Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here, joined today by Jenna Garcia, social media director for Denver Stiffs. Make sure to check out her two podcasts, Chicken Nuggets Podcast on Wednesdays and the Garbage Takes Podcast on Thursdays. We're going to continue to try to get guests for that one and had had a week off this week, but should be coming back strong soon. And, and we've had a lot of fun with that one, right, Jenna? Oh my gosh, it's a real, it's a real hoot. Um, I don't know. We just kind of go in and be really silly. I'm at my silliest probably during that podcast. Like it's a really fun way to talk about sports, but also to just kind of like play pranks on my colleagues and stuff. And <laughs> so I'm enjoying it for sure. Yeah, Mr. Stiff really enjoyed it too. Uh, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, make sure to check those two out. Uh, Riley Biller is also doing chicken nuggets and she's been great on that. So make sure to check out that podcast as well. Both will be posted on Denver stiffs if you need to find them. So, uh, okay. The rest of the team's performance in this Cleveland game, I thought it was, I didn't think it was super notable, but uh, Nikola Jokic on his birthday, he was extremely efficient once again. He had 16 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, four steals. He only took eight shots. Uh, was it a bigger birthday performance for him? Was how efficient he was or how how little he had to shoot based off of the rest of the team's performance sparked by Jamal Murray? <laughs> Which one was the better birthday gift? Yeah, yeah, for him personally. Was it, was it his performance or the rest of the teams? No way. It was the rest of the teams for sure. Um, I was actually, I mean, I, I, I thought going into this game that hopefully the Nuggets would get an early lead and be able to sustain that lead and give Nicola a, a break, let him sit a few minutes, especially going into the all-star, you know, he's going to be the one guy who doesn't get a break. And so, um, in games where they can get ahead early and hold that lead, like I would suspect against the Cavs. Um, at least I'm of the opinion that they should be rolling through the calves, but instead, you know, yeah, instead, you know, I'm like, okay, well they could get like a substantial lead, but even then Ryan, like they're up by 20, they're up by like double digits. Malone's not taking these guys out. He did give Nicola a long rest in the second, but, um, yeah, I really want to get to that topic. So don't forget about it when you answer what the next time we talk or the next topic we head to. But I do think um, Nicola probably preferred his teammates uh, performance. The fact that he didn't have to to uh, do too much. And yet he did so much. Right. He didn't have one of those triple doubles where you're like, whoa, 30 points, you know, like one number that's substantially bigger than the other two. But he had, you know. I thought he wasn't going to get the triple-double. I actually was betting that if they got the substantial lead, he would sit a bit, and he could still probably hit over 27 points, but he actually kind of struggled against Cleveland the last time they played, too. He only had like 10 or 12 points that game. Sure. So I, was think- I wasn't sure about it, but obviously I was trying to bet on it um, tonight, and um, I thought he did a great job. The fact that he got the triple-double is kind of incredible. Um, cause he was like, they were about to pull him or something. And he had nine, uh, uh, rebounds, I think. No, he had nine assists and they were about to pull him and he threw the pass to Jamal or whatever, but, um, came in clutch. Yeah. It, 
Yeah. It was, it was like, he was about to get pulled and I thought Malone was going to let him go out with the, with the nine. And I was just like, come on, man, let Jamal get 50, let Nicola get his triple double. <laughs> uh, so we can all have a nice night, but Nicola probably, I think he would have enjoyed just watching his teammates play, you know, if he played a little oh, bit yeah. and he likes to coach and joke around. Wouldn't it be nice to roll through a team and be able to joke every once in a row? Oh yeah. And, and they, they lost the third quarter this this yep. time and and no i think surprise. that probably contributed to why he was ultimately back into the game and they couldn't really separate in the fourth quarter despite the fact that that was really the time when murray went in fuego uh mm-hmm. i yeah it, it's tough because jokic uh, you, you love to see him just take eight shots and i think that's probably part of his rest is that he doesn't have to shoulder that offensive load it was definitely jamal murray tonight and and in some respects michael porter jr um uh, I want to get to him because I feel like over the last couple of games, he's had a pretty good bounce back uh, based more off of the process and some of the results coming through, as opposed to just like uh, just shooting contested shots and making them. What did you think of, of Michael Porter's game tonight? Um, You know, I thought he, I, I agree with you. I think he has had a bounce back the last few games. Um, he seems to be, you know, maybe less focused on scoring and more focused on doing some other things, rebounding, getting involved. He's cutting a little bit more. Sometimes this guy has the cement feet. Like, I don't know what else to call it because sometimes it just looks like he's dragging them. And I'm like, I seen you shoot. I know you can get up, like get up for cutting through the lane too, please. Let's go. But um, he didn't, I didn't feel that way about him tonight. You know, I thought that he did a really good job. I thought there were only a couple shots where I was like, "Eh, I would have rather him pass that, pass that off. You know, a couple of like the ones that he likes to pull up right at the top of the key when he hasn't really looked for anything else off the first pass in, in the series. So, um, I mean, I'm nervous about committing to Michael Porter Jr. again, because it seems like he's very inconsistent seems like he, he kind of rides with the waves of his emotions or a little bit of like maybe where they're at or what's going on in life and, sure. and stuff, but I'm not sure. Or, and I could be totally wrong, you know, but maybe it's from something else. Maybe he is, but his shot just doesn't, I don't, I don't, I had think that I've seen it struggle like it had prior to these couple of games. And now that he has it back, I'm, I'm hesitant to trust that it's fully back yet, you know? Oh yeah. And um, I'm with you. Like, I definitely think this needs to be a consistent trend in order to really see it. Uh, I think that I, I, yeah, he had uh 21 points in the first half and one point in the second half. Uh, he was over five from the field in the second half. So it's not, it's not just you. Uh, he, he struggled in that second half as, as great as that first half was. And some of that was because, Hey, Jamal had it going and they were just trying to feed him and that's fine. And it doesn't necessarily matter when uh, Porter's great points happen. They just all happen to have, have been in the first half, but it would be nice to see some consistency. It would be nice to see him string together 48 solid minutes because, and or like 30, 33 solid minutes as opposed to the 17 he had in the first half versus the 16 mediocre to subpar ones he had in the second half. Uh, but I do think he's making progress. I think 
with that Jamichael Green injury, I think the Nuggets actually kind of stumbled stumbled into a lineup that they should probably try to use more going forward, and that's Michael Porter at the four and Nikola Jokic at the five. They haven't really done that a lot this year because right. Millsap and Green have been very uh, popular within that group. But I'd like to see Porter play the four a little bit more. Is that something that you think that they could go to, especially with the injuries lately? I mean, I hope that it's something that they go to. I think that it makes a lot of sense. And um, I think Malone's probably thinking, you know, he wants more defense if he's going to play four, the four, you know, and that's probably the hesitation. Like it's been the hesitation for everything with MPJ is his defense, you know, at least in regards to Malone and him getting playing minutes. Right. So, um, I think it's, it'll be a good option for him. And what I'm most excited about is the fact that playing at the four will give, um, well, I hope it'll give Michael more opportunities to get the scrappy points. He could have so many points off of second chance buckets. Like he's so long and lanky and such a good rebounder. If he would just like hunt, like, for like apple picking, you know, like those apples are falling from the tree. Just pick them back up, you know, and stuff them in that basket for me, Mike, because I feel like it would, he could easily have like 13 a game off of straight putbacks. Um, and, and then when you think about like how beneficial rebounding is for this team, when this team rebounds, well, they win. And right. if Mike could be that rebounding guy, he will always get minutes that he doesn't even have to play defense. If he can rebound everything, you know, like, I mean, there's part parts of it are hand in hand. And so he'll have to play some defense, but, but what I'm saying is I think it could be really a really good move for him. I think it could kind of, it kind of fits his game and, or what, at what I'd like to see him do more in his game because playing out on the wing, I think allows him to get stagnant and he gets slow. He stops moving he, off ball. Sometimes I'm just screaming at him to move, like right. just do something cut somewhere, but playing off the ball on the wing gives him some kind of, can give him some laziness where playing the four and if he's more cutting through um, the lane and stuff, he's going to have to think about like five second rules and violations and things like that. Maybe it'll keep him more active. I think that's a really good take actually. Like not, not actually like it is just a genuinely good take that a lot of times with Denver's <laughs> offense and with, with their setup, their four man is usually Millsap or green. And, and those guys are very, uh, and that that position in in this offense specifically is very uh, movement centric. In that there there are very specific places where it has to be on the floor every single time. You're either in the corner, you're either moving up to the wing. Sometimes you're screening on the backside. Sometimes you're in the short corner. You'll move up to the top of the key uh, in various sets. He was involved in a lot of pick and roll sets as the as the four man in a horn set. Uh, I thought that that was really important and it, it, it got him moving. It got him engaged. And, and like you said, if he, if he's moving and feels like he's involved in things that will go a long way, it will just, he'll, it just will. Uh, I also think he's just a better defender at power forward because he gets to play as the low man on the pick and roll. Uh, he gets to kind of play in between guys and, and try to use his size to cover up a lot of space Uh, He didn't get credited with a block today, but I know that he protected the rim pretty well. Uh, He's just a better defender as a power forward. I I think that that's pretty clear. 
And I, I hope that Denver continues to try to see it. Yeah, I agree. I actually am really excited for him to get some minutes there and, and hopefully that's what happens. Yeah. It might just be Denver's best lineup going forward because of the the nature of their roster where they've had Paul Millsap for a long time and they've had Jamichael Green and he's been good. He's been, been fine lately, but Porter gives them a little bit of a different dynamic and, and I like what he does as the power forward in that group. And they just have so many guards that can play. So might as well try it. Uh, okay. Moving forward real quick. I don't want to spend too much time here. We're, we're just hoping to have a fun time on this pod and just, uh, just, just hang out and chill a out for a little time, bit. Ryan? I'm, I'm glad Jenna. Thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm having a fun time too. So you know what? That's all that matters. We're the only people who matter right now. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so Denver goes to Atlanta on Sunday to finish up this road trip. Uh, they've got seven more games in total before the all-star break. Uh, what do you think of this next stretch of seven games? Cause they've got, they've got Atlanta. Then they're coming home for a couple of games, including one against Portland. Then they go back out on the road again against mostly Eastern conference teams. How important are these games to win for Denver to get right? Uh, are these must win games? I, I kind of collectively should Denver be trying to go a certain record in, in this stretch in order to maintain good momentum going into the all-star break. What's, what's your take on momentum in general for, for this Nuggets team right now? I mean, that's a tough question um, because there's some bigger picture pieces, I think to what you're asking, you know, right. Um, as to start, I mean, the schedule, yeah, it's, it's rough. It's every other day. And then you're, you have another back to back, um, in there as well before you get to the all-star break. So it's, it's a heavy lift. They're not all great teams. There are some, what I would call trap games in there, you know, definitely. There's some games that they could definitely fall or lose. You know, they play Washington, um, they play Chicago, you know, Chicago is probably more competitive than, well, no, I think Washington was pretty competitive the other night too, but you know, OKC, um, all of these teams, I mean, Indiana, Milwaukee, Chicago, Washington, Portland, all have been really competitive lately. So, sure. you know, you want to win Atlanta and OKC because those are going to be your easiest probably wins, um, best matchup versus those teams easiest opportunity to get a win so i mean and i and i say that with the whole bigger picture portion looming as far as like i mean do you think this team is going to win a championship do you think anybody but the lakers and the nets is going to be in the finals (laughs) well that's a that's an interesting pivot uh i think that the process is really important for this team, regardless of whether they win a championship or not. If I had to, if I had to pick whether they were going to win a championship, I would say, no, they're probably not. And, and that's probably fine because the Lakers are who they are. And because LeBron James is still one of the, like he's, he's still playing at the level of one of the greatest players ever. And he is my goat. So like, I, I tend to think that's okay. And that Denver shouldn't get bogged down in, if they ultimately 
do not win the championship, then that doesn't mean that the season is a failure. I think that as long as Jokic, Murray, and MPJ are kind of getting on the same page and, and getting ready to all be great together in their primes, then I think it can still be a good positive thing for Denver. They don't have to necessarily win a playoff series. They don't have to necessarily go to the Western Conference Finals or go to the finals or win a championship for that. It's just about making incremental progress. They had to take a little bit of a step back because Jeremy Grant left. Uh, but be, but even, even with that, I still think that Jokic and any team that has Jokic and Murray is still going to be dangerous in the playoffs because both of them are capable of scoring 50 freaking points. Like, that's incredible. That's really, really yeah. something. And they're both as young as they are and have, have had the – the, the record that they have in the playoffs, like both of those guys are gamers and are going to, are going to put forth a great effort no matter what. Um, right now, I think it's about finding out if the rest of the supporting cast can do it too. And that starts with okay. MPJ. Okay. So with that as the, our lens that we're using, if that's what the, and, and I would agree with you, I think the best, like, Best case scenario is that they do learn to play together, that they learn that they really come out of this season with a lot of chemistry and that they're ready to go next season and with their health. MPJ is not the kind of player who can be run into the ground like Jamal Murray was run into the ground last year. Sure. MPJ is not that kind of player. When he fell backwards tonight on his back, which be on the lookout for a very funny video, oh. but oh. <laughs> on, on Stiff's account, Stiff's fans be on the lookout. But, but I was terrified at that moment because I'm like any little thing with this guy's back stresses me out because it's his back. And because it's clearly been an issue before and it's affected other parts of his game. So um, all that to be just to, to say, like, if the point of this season is for them to come walk away with chemistry and health so that because we know they're not going to win a championship this season. And the goal is for them to play healthy and well together in their prime, meaning for the next several years. Then why are we running Nikola Jokic into the ground? Why are we running Jamal Murray into the ground? Why are we playing them so many minutes? I don't understand the purpose. So when you ask me if I think these games are valuable and they need to get it right before the all-star break, I think they just need to be allowed to play. And if they lose some or win some, I don't think the record should really matter if that's what the end goal is. And I, I think they should rest. I think they have a lot of guys that are beat up. You you're having multiple abductor injuries that doesn't that's on different guys sure over multiple years seasons something's got to change and and honestly like i know the nuggets are kind of known for the whole like work hard we're like the we're the stiffs you know the guys that go out there and we work hard and we might not be the most talented but we're going to put in all that work um <laughs> the eduardo Najarez of the world and I just think it needs – if they're going to win championships, they have to value the guys that they have. And while Nicola has been healthy and, you know, knock on wood, he continues to stay that way, um, I mean, you don't want to do that. You don't want to run them into the ground if, if we know that this is not the year. No matter what, this isn't the year. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if they know that yet. And and we still may be a trade at the trade deadline away and, and a five-game, six-game winning streak from saying, hey, they really could beat anybody. Look, they beat the Utah Jazz last year in, in the playoffs. Then they they are the only team in the last like millennia that, that seems to have beaten the Utah Jazz. Um, same thing with the Clippers. The Clippers are a really, really good team. And the Nuggets managed to beat them. If they find a guy that can help kind of reprise what Jeremy Grant did, then maybe they still have a chance against those teams. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the P that's the missing piece though is, and that's what they've been searching for all season is who is going to fill in those blanks, those missing pieces, what Jeremy brought to this team. Um, I think maybe, maybe MPJ at the four, maybe he could be that guy. You know, maybe. Yeah, I. Be interesting. I think that they're still they're still definitely one piece away at least, um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't try. It doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't try to build these habits because going hard for it, and and learning those mistakes and learning which guys you can trust during periods of difficulty, I think that's a really important factor in, in setting the culture for this team going forward. Because the dynamic is so hard going so hard to injury. I mean, how many guys are injured? Monte Morris on the injury list. Monte Morris does not get injured. Ryan Monte is a, like he's locked down. He's always locked in. (laughs) He, every, everybody is, everybody's struggling. I wonder if we shouldn't necessarily take the injury report for this particular year too difficultly because everybody was going to like, it was going to be tough during a condensed season for everybody. Um, And so I I don't think that the nuggets are unique in that regard, Uh, but it's still a good point. It's still a good thing that, Hey, maybe, maybe this isn't the time that Denver should be going as hard as they are, but they have sat out Murray in a few games, maybe not enough, but they have sat him some Uh, MPJ sat for 10 games due to COVID. He, he should still be fresh. And, and if they need to sit him going forward, then they will. I think the guy that you're really talking about here is Nicola, uh, but he never sits anyway. He's just a mutant. I don't know how to really evaluate a guy like him because he's just an incredible human specimen of a person. Like, like I have, we haven't seen anything like him before. And, and somebody who has the capability the when, when he he's was amazing. 285 pounds to play 65 minutes in a four overtime game against the the Portland Trailblazers a couple playoffs ago. Like he just has different capabilities than I think we're used to. And I think maybe we just have to acknowledge that. I mean, and okay, maybe, maybe he does. And he, you're right. He doesn't sit. And, And also he's never been at this point in his career before, you know, the point where he's this many years deep, the point where he's starting to play the best basketball of his life or, you know, and there are some things that are changing. He's getting, uh, he's older, he's older. Okay. But not that he's old by any means, but he's getting older and I just want him to plan so that we can experience and enjoy the most Nikola Jokic we get to can enjoy, you know, for the moment that we can enjoy it. Um, there was something else you said that I that I really um, disagreed with, and that was just like 
I don't disagree with what you're saying. He is special. He's incredibly special, right? Right. But when people are special, what ends up happening is they're given more to do because they can do more stuff because they're special. They're good at it, right? So like, okay, if, if at my day job, since I'm bilingual, I have to call extra people, like other people's, do other people's calls for them because they're not bilingual. So if they get a bilingual call, now I have somebody else's responsibility plus my responsibility. No, right. That's what's happening with Nicola. Is he special and he can do it? That doesn't necessarily mean that he should do it. Because if that impacts his overall greatness, is what I'm saying, is over like the overall trajectory. I'm just saying, I think that the whole like, let's go hard, let's go hard. I think that's already ingrained very much in Coach Malone in Jamal Murray, who did push-ups in the snow as a little kid, you know, like it's ingrained in the, in um, the fact that Nikola Jokic is an immigrant from another country, a war-torn country. He doesn't, he, he did not live the same childhood that we lived. Like when we think of being a kid, Nikola has been a man for a lot longer than, you know, normal guys that we know here or whatever, but he, you have that resilience you have that toughness built into these guys the one guy you don't know who if he has it or not is mpj and i don't know that it should be on the shoulders of nicola and jamal to be like let's go like we have to model it for him so much he's been on this team for a few years now he's had it modeled for him he got to go on that run like it's time for him to harness it and i think it's time for him to carry some to harness it he's going to have to carry some of the workload and he's learning how he's doing his best to try to figure it out. I, I do feel very confident in saying that it's just been a slow process. And, and sometimes it takes a little bit of extra time. And sometimes if the, the people that are, that are late bloomers, and I think that Porter, despite the fact that he has been extremely talented for his entire career, I think he's just a late bloomer from a five on five basketball perspective. And once it does happen and, and it'll, it'll eventually happen he's going to be incredible and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and Denver is going to reap those rewards. And I think that everybody is going to be happier for it. Uh, But it is, it is a long season. It's been a grind. I think you're right. And it's a good point in saying that Denver shouldn't be selling out for these next seven games or even the rest of the season, just so that they could, uh, make the Western conference finals or, or whatnot. Like they, they have to have a plan. They have to stick to that plan. And if they want prolonged success, then they have to stick to it. And, and if everything goes according to plan, then I think that this team is in line for a championship at some point in their future, whether that's this season, next season, a couple seasons down the road, who knows, but I, th- I think it's a good point and people should understand that and appreciate that these guys are, are being worn down and it, it takes a special kind of person to be able to fight through that. Obviously Denver is made up of a variety of special types of people uh, with their mentality, with their identity. Um, but you don't want to test the waters too much. Like, and I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even think that if, if Denver just went out there and relaxed and played basketball, like just played, you know, let maybe cut 
cut some of Nicola's minutes. Didn't not necessarily not compete. I'm just saying like didn't like run them so hard. You know, starters yeah. are in when we're up by 20. Are we really doing this? <laughs> yeah, really? Malone Malone has a he's definitely had that horror show of of times where the bench has given up a massive lead and then he has to bring back in Nicola anyway. So he he waits usually yeah, to get how it does down. The- Go ahead. How would the bench be expected to how would the bench be expected to learn how to stop the bleed, you know, give it, to not give up a lead without giving up a lead? You learn from those mistakes. That's the only opportunity, you know. Right. If you do it right, sure you might be like, "Okay, I did it right," but you're not really paying attention to what you're doing, how it did, how it happened. Maybe it's you're playing a team that's worse than you. And but when yeah. you do it wrong and you get it wrong, you really learn from that. You figure out, "Oh, this is what I did wrong." Yeah, normally I agree. Denver's just down so many players right now that I, I tend to give Malone a pass for just wanting to ensure that they get a win. Uh, he's hoping that a couple minutes here or there for, that are extra for Jokic, Murray, and Porter, that it's not going to affect them that much. Uh, and maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. I think we, we're not going to know that until later. Uh, but for now, I, I, don't, I don't really have anything else more. Uh, on these on these seven games, would, it, would a successful rest of the – rest of the time before the all-star break for these seven games be four and three, five and two, six and one. What are, what's the, what's the target record that you're looking for? Um, let me look at these guys one more time. Um, I would say one, two, three, four. I'd expect them to win four. Yeah. You know, I think the, there's there's three that they definitely could win, and then there's three that you know are toss ups, and one that is probably a loss. I'd, I'll let you figure out where who and what. But I actually was wondering, Ryan, um, what do you think the chances are that a trade does come at this deadline? I, I think, think pre- you had to pick, you know, with the percentage on it or whatever. I think they're pretty high. I'd go past fifty fifty. Let's say sixty forty. Uh, that that a trade does happen. I think that Denver understands that there are certain weaknesses with the roster that need to be addressed. Uh, and it's probably not like it, there probably won't be a massive move. I've floated the Aaron Gordon thing a variety of times and, and that would be cool for, from Denver's perspective. But I do genuinely believe that this is the year, if any, that Tim Connolly is going to try to make a move to solidify Denver's place in this playoff hierarchy whether that's to get into the top four or to just make sure that they stay out of the play-in game. I think that they're going to try to make a move that's for a win-now player that can help them in the playoffs, and but also getting through the regular season in a good place. Uh, what about you? I mean, I, I don't think I could put a percentage on it, um, but um, – I, I think it's funny that you think 60, 65 is high. You said high, and then you said 65. I was thinking you were think, going to say like 80 or 90, <laughs> but um, I really do hope that you're right. I hope that – I think that it would be an incredibly impressive move by Tim Connolly to make uh, a trade that could actually keep them relevant because I think that's the one of the biggest problems that Denver has faced is that Every time they become relevant, they become just as irrelevant just as quickly as they became relevant. And it's hard for, I mean, at least over the last, you know, decade. Sure. Um, since 
even I mean since mellow and so it's it's tough to get fans and you know it's even tougher to get fans to or newer new fans of the nuggets when there's up it's ups and downs and even tougher when there's they're not on tv to watch so it's it's <laughs> I really hope that Conley makes that kind of move because I think that that would be a a big move for the organization kind of solidifying like hey we're here to stay for a few years right I like it I think it's it's a good take um I said to the folks that we would do a 30 minute emergency podcast yeah. and, and lo and behold we uh, we blew right past that it's a good conversation and I'm glad that we have it but uh Jenna, hey, thank you so much for coming on and, and taking the time tonight. It's been it's been really good to to talk to you about this season and, and sharing some of the the successes and failures that the Nuggets have had. Uh, what what can we expect from you over, over the course of the the next week or so? Oh, you know, over um, we have a lot going on over on my personal account at Vita Viva Diva. We're you're gonna get all the betting odds. I've been doing betting videos for every single Nuggets game. I am not. I mean, I won't say I get everyone right because I don't, you know, I think I split today two, two and two, but I've hit some pretty good bets on the nuggets, just how much I follow them and stuff and um, <laughs> how much I do for you for the stiffs and everything. So it's, it's good content if you're into betting. And then of course um, on stiffs, you're going to get your, your regular content there, but I am working on a very funny video. So hopefully you guys will like it. Looking forward to it. Uh, I've got a big announcement that's going to happen on Monday. Uh, should be interesting, and then I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But everybody else, uh, have a good weekend. Uh, stay safe out there, and uh, let's see if the Nuggets can can put together another win on Sunday and, and close this road trip strong. I, I think that they're, they're in a good spot, guys. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, follow Jenna, like she said, at Viva Diva Diva, at Viva Vida Diva. Good God. Uh, and follow me at NBA Blackburn. Uh, yeah, just got to love it. We always finish the pod laughing. That's <laughs> uh, so good. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a pod between you and me if there wasn't a giggle fest at, at some point. <laughs> at some uh, point in the middle. <laughs> Uh, have a good night everybody stay safe